everybody. Welcome back to the BPR podcast. Before we get started, please like, comment, subscribe. As always, make sure you guys make follow our socials link down below. And uh, audio listeners, make sure you guys uh, download it, rate it, and review it. Before we continue, two things. One, guest video coming out this weekend was such a banger. Uh, it's our, I'll just say this much. It was a collaboration first time with another content creator. That's all you're going to get. <laughs> all right? Yeah. Number two, <laughs> shout out Jeevan Badwal, our cousin. First uh, made a, he started in the preseason for the Whitecaps first team. So that's major. They're up in Spain right now. So yeah, shout out Cuzzo. Shout out Jeevan, man. So hopefully carrying uh, Ryan Gold. Make sure you uh, <laughs> get uh, get us some Badwall jerseys and uh, play against Messi and uh, hook up with some tickets. Uh, free free tickets. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously, shout out though. But yeah, no, this uh, is this is amazing. It's incredible. Yeah, I'm it's about cra- to cry right now. Crazy like, feeling. Like to have a crazy feeling that we know. know someone personally like that in it. It's like yo, how the game goes. And then, you know the funny thing is, <laughs> if whenever he comes back in town, he's in a. He plays his game if he does play for the first team one day, and then he just comes over to the house the next, like, two that's, that's, later. that's the most insane part. Yeah, that's the part that throws me off. Yeah. <laughs> anyways, um, let's continue. Right off the bat, a lot of lot of stuff to talk about. Everything's major, but we have to start off with the NFL, as always, with the NFC Championship, AFC Championship game. But we're starting off with the AFC Championship game because that's the bigger matchup, in my opinion. Uh, Lamar Jackson finally getting over the hump, taking on... The guy who's back, once again, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, so we have the guy who's the best quarterback this year, and we have the guy who's the best quarterback over the last five years. Six. Six years. Ever since he entered the league, basically. Six. So <laughs> Six straight championship games. So so we have a best-on-best best matchup here, and uh, we had that last week with jo- Josh Allen versus Patrick Mahomes, and now we're going to have that again this week with Lamar Jackson. couple of stats for you. Whoever beats Josh Allen in a playoff game loses the next game. That's number one stat. Yeah, Lamar did that. He lost. Actually, Lamar Lamar lost to Josh Allen. (laughs) Never mind. Lamar lost to Josh Allen. No, so whoever loses... Yeah, Burrow lost last year. Two years ago in that crazy matchup, Chiefs lost to the Bengals. Yeah. After the Chiefs won. After beating Bengals. Sorry, Uh, after beating Bills. And then it was they beat the the Bills, but they lost to the eventual winner. Buccaneers, remember? Yeah. And like, then yeah, and then the year before that is when they won it. I don't know who Josh Allen. That was that was his like debut. That was Texans. Yeah, no, so they're, that they're was not, that one as well. In, they're not gonna win in general. And then yeah, so that's one stat. Number two, I think Josh Allen is six and zero against number one defenses. As well. Actually. Yeah. Okay. I saw that. I don't know how true it is, but I saw that. But yeah, so. And I think in the playoffs. Mainly. Oh, yeah, obviously playoffs. Yeah. You see in the regular season, he's throwing a turnover every game. Yeah. Uh, but back to the game, Ravens-Chiefs. And uh, this is the early game. This is the first game of the day. Yeah. And uh, the Ravens are considered the best team in football this year. 100%. No weakness. All strength. No weakness. Yes. <laughs> and, like, their defense is incredible. Like, their defense, the thing about them, like, Yes, the Browns' defense was like on a historically pace, especially early on the season. The Ravens' defense is clutch. Yes, like they show up in the big games, right? They destroyed Miami, they destroyed Detroit Lions, they, they destroyed um, the 49ers. They have everyone in each position pretty much covered, at least one or two people. And uh, Marlon Humphrey was injured last week, so he didn't even play. Yeah. So him being back, and then obviously on the offensive side, Mark Andrews being could back, be back could yeah. be back. This Ravens team got stronger from last week, and it's really 
impressing because like that that team was so good. Like, yes, don't get me wrong, the Texans weren't supposed to be here, and they were supposed to lose. But at the same time, you weren't you wouldn't have been like completely shocked if CJ Stroud did do it, right? Like you would be like surprised. Don't get me wrong, like they yeah. were the underdog, right? But the what we seen from CJ Stroud was absolutely incredible this year. That like if he pulled it off, like you could have. There was a world where you thought CJ Stroud would pull it off. I had a, for me, it was a better chance CJ Stroud pulls it off than Jordan Love. Instead, the opposite happened. Yeah, basically. <laughs> that's the way I, c- I will put it. Um, it's also because the Ravens' history hasn't been the greatest in the playoffs, so that's also the other factor. But yeah, uh, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the matchup. Josh Allen, sorry, not Josh Allen. Uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yes, I said he's back. He played well. The offense played well. Travis Kelsey balled out. Problem was they don't have, Bills didn't have any linebackers and their defense was kind of depleted. They're going against this Baltimore team that has Roquan Smith, second best linebacker in the league probably after Fred Warner. Yeah. Um Patrick Queen who compliments him well there, right? Then you have potentially Marlon Humphrey back. You have Kyle Hamilton. You have uh Marcus Williams. What's Marcus Williams. Marcus Williams. Safety partner there. And then w- your old line or D line is also killing it there, right? Here's the thing, though. Travis Kelsey may not be able to be balling out this time because there's linebackers on him. The question for Patrick Mahomes is does, will he have that second option that could help free up Travis Kelsey? And the thing is this, right? Like, we saw Valdez Cantley make big catches, but it's going to be very difficult to say you're going to make those big catches on like Marlon Humphrey or a Kyle Hamilton. Whereas, like, Buffalo, their number one corner, Tredavious White, was out. And then on top Russell of that... Russell Douglas was not 100%. And on top of that, you're away once again, right? Like, you answered the question in Buffalo, don't get me wrong, right? But you also almost lost that game with an injured defense. Flip side, you're going to Baltimore, who are also on a mission. Lamar Jackson's on a mission himself. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be a tough game for them. The game plan for them is just find a way offensively is this they need to figure out how to get Travis Kelsey open and one other piece to get going. That's the only way they're going to win And this right game. now it's looking like Rashi Rice. Rashi. Rashi Rice. I always keep us pronouncing him wrong. And honestly, he has stepped up for them this year. Out of all the receivers, he has been their best one. Yeah, 100%. Wide receiver group. And that rookie has shown so much potential, but again... It's going to be on... It was on... It was The, the thing is this. Their two best offensive games... Yes, they're a killer. Don't get me wrong. They're against good teams. Miami's defense was injured, right? Bradley Chubb injured his ACL. Plus, it's Miami. They're still against good teams. Yeah, no, but like defensively, when you think about it, like Miami might have a better defensive group than their offense in the clutch time. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, no, I get what you're saying. And they're injured. You have Buffalo, who's injured. Ravens are not injured. This is the first time in a long time we could say that, that the Ravens aren't injured. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's on the that's on their the Chiefs' offense, Chiefs' defense. You gotta figure out a way to uh, contain Lamar Jackson. I mean, you gotta just keep doing what you're doing, right? Defensively, there's no issues with the Chiefs at all. Containing Lamar Jackson is gonna be. Uh, it just depends on who your spy is, right? There's obviously gonna be a spy. Yeah. If you had a spy against freaking Josh Allen, you're gonna have a spy against Lamar Jackson. 100%. And their best spy is Willie Gay, who got hurt in the Bills game. Willie Gay is a linebacker who's actually pretty quick as well. So him being healthy will be crucial for this game, for uh, that defense. Other than that, when you have Chris Jones, LeJarius Need, I think last week was the first touchdown LeJarius Need allowed all year. Yeah. And it took that incredible throw from Josh Allen. 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, Buffalo, uh, sorry, B- uh, Baltimore on the offensive side, same thing. Their, their weapons are going, and you're telling me you're going to get your safety blanket back, which is going to be insane. And even if he doesn't play, Isaiah likely, I think he's a rookie or, or at least second year, uh, has been balling out himself. So it's going to be tough that way. Um, defensively, I have more faith in their defense more than the offense, just based on how they've been playing the regular season overall. Because that's, that's the, the most consistent thing about this team. Not discrediting what Patrick Mahomes has done in the playoffs in the past, but here's the thing. When he played against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, he balled out, but the, the line was decimated. This time, you might have the line, but you don't have any weapons. Except yeah. for Travis Kelsey, and who I think will be um, isolated or whatever you want to say. Like he'll be Double team, triple ex- team. Exactly, right? Then you have to hope Rashi Rice um, goes off because he's the only one that I have confidence in, which is pretty crazy to say because you know you have other potential other options there uh, to help out. But we'll see. It's going to be a fun game. It should be a good game. Um, Baltimore side of things, Lamar is just, you know, keep, take care of the ball and you'll probably win this game. I hate to say that. I don't see. That's all it is. Just it's so it. it's so crazy to think that, like... We're counting out the Chiefs that like bad. We're <laughs> counting out the Chiefs that bad. And it's not it's nothing what the Chiefs did. It's just what the Ravens have been this year. Yeah. And yes, don't get me wrong, it is Patrick Mahomes. But this is not the Bills. Right? Yeah. The Ravens legit were on another level in the AFC compared to every other team. They destroyed every team they played. Simple as that. Every good team they played. Like, especially. We and the games they lost, like you said, perfectly. Turnovers. It was, it was Lamar just didn't hold the ball. Turnover. Well. Exactly. Turnover, self-inflicting wounds, shot themselves in the foot. And, um, it, like, it's crazy. I know, I'm giving, like, when we move on to the NFC, obviously, but, like, I'm... I think the Lions have a better chance than the Chiefs of making the Super Bowl. And it's, like, crazy to me to think that. That, like, we are betting against Patrick Mahomes this much. Based on the score, yeah, they have the Ravens as the favorite um, right now. But, yeah, uh, you can't count out Patrick Mahomes. I'm just high on this uh, Ravens team. That's all it is. So, predictions, obviously, we both are going with the Ravens. But I still think it's going to be a close game. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to do whatever it takes. He's shown it in the past. I don't think he's ever had a bad playoff game except for the second half against the Bengals, the year they lost uh, in the championship game when the Bengals went to the Super Bowl. Outside of that moment, I don't think he's ever had really had a bad game. But the problem is, this is also your worst offensive staff you've had in a while, minus the Super Bowl game where you had an off- offensive line. But So it's going to be tough. I think Buffalo takes it by a score. Baltimore. Baltimore takes it by a score. But you, before I tell you, because I have the polls out on YouTube poll. Uh, YouTube or on our YouTube community it's still up there make sure you guys go vote it's not gonna come down uh, on our YouTube channel under the community tab but what yeah, do you you have? can vote after the game too like <laughs> just, just to like change the vote <laughs> if you go from Chiefs to Ravens I know the recency bias is crazy just because I, yeah it has been the, it's all definitely on the Ravens side plus they're home That's and plus they're home where then you have Mahomes you can't count on Mahomes like how we just count him out right now <laughs> yeah but this Ravens team is just a different beast they have been on another level compared to every other team in the NFL. Not not just the AFC, the NFL. So and uh, I'm going with the Ravens with a... Like a 30, plus you have Justin Tucker yeah, <laughs> on top of that. 34-24 that win, 10-point win. Nothing against Harrison Bucker either, but yeah, you yeah. have Justin Tucker. Yeah, just, you have a 34-24, 10-point win. I hope it's a shootout. That's what I really hope for. Yeah, I don't want a defensive showdown. <laughs> yeah, but like I hope it's like at least in the 20s to 30s for sure. But okay. Um, so the BTR community has spoken from 30 votes. Please get that number higher. <laughs> but 30 votes, 70% are taking the Baltimore Ravens. 
and 30% are taking the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, yeah, not surprised by that. I wouldn't have been surprised if the Chiefs had more just because Mahomes and that's it. But let's see. Lamar, this is the biggest test for you. If you pass this, no one's going to say shit to you. <laughs> Simple as that. Exactly. And is this the toughest team Patrick Mahomes has faced in the playoffs? I would say so, yeah. Only team I could consider that is the Tampa team. The Tampa team, the Buccaneers that beat him in the Super Bowl. Yeah. I think this team is better than that Bengals team. That yeah. And I think this team is better than obviously the Bills. And uh, he never really lost other than that. <laughs> yeah, no, so that's the one. I mean, he, he the biggest adversity he had to face was against the Texans that year when they were down like 24 to 7. Yeah. Or but yeah, so that's the that's the Baltimore uh, Kansas City prediction. Um, Maybe it's also a chance just to see someone else win. We'll see how it goes, but... Detroit Lions are in the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers. And they were this close of hosting a game, but the Niners did pull away at the end in the Packers game. And uh, last pod, I said this that might have been a good thing for the Niners just because they've shown that they could play in adversity situations and Brock Purdy can show... That no matter what was going on during the game, the only drive matters. The, the only drive that matters is the last drive, and you got to get the job done. Brock Purdy got the job done. Question for you though, um, bringing back Lamar, but, but also Brock Purdy. Uh, out of the four quarterbacks, well, we already know who one and two is. It's the AFC guys, three and four. I would probably go Purdy then uh, Golf. But my question to you is: There's a lot of criticism with Purdy saying that he's the weakest link on this team which I disagree with slightly. I think Lewis Riddick literally said their right side of the offensive line is struggling. But outside of that, he was like, he's the weakest link. He's just being carried because of all the weapons. How much do you buy that, number one? And on the flip side, Lamar Jackson is usually like... every like It's kind of both. Lamar doesn't get the credit he deserves, but at the same time, it's like, oh, well, it's, now, it's just Lamar and no one else, right? Because Lamar, for, for Lamar, it's like, oh, he's wheeling them to wins. Blah, blah, blah. But he has the weapons now. Brock Purdy has the weapons, but it's like, oh, well, he's getting carried. And when yeah. he is winning, it's like you're taking away that winning ability. Yeah, so the thing is this. It's not Lamar carrying. This year. Anymore. Yeah. It, it isn't. It genuinely isn't. Still deserves his do credit. We, do, yeah, so like, don't get me wrong. Lamar's been incredible. Yeah. But if it was two years ago, then it's Lamar carrying. But it's not. Yeah. And Lamar couldn't get the job done. He needed help. Patrick Mahomes needed help with the offensive line. He got that the next year, and uh, or two years later they yeah, won. Yeah, it's like no one is saying, even for Lamar's case too. But no one's saying like, oh, everyone says Patrick Mahomes is the best guy in the world, which he is. I'm not saying he is. Yeah, Mahomes had Kelsey and Tyreek Hill, and then the old line got rid of Tyreek Hill for an old line, basically. Well, even the year that uh, yeah, yeah, and then uh, or the Eagles. Look at the, look at the, what they have. Yeah, nobody shit talk Jalen Hurts. Yeah. They Brock instead, Purdy, they, instead, you give him a massive contract. Brock Purdy <laughs> has played good football this year, right? We can't discredit that. I'm not saying he was Lamar level. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying Brock Purdy was takes this team to another level. Yeah. By, like, if you had Jimmy Garoppolo, if you had a Sam Darnold, right? You're comparing him to Jimmy Garoppolo because Jimmy Garoppolo did take him to the Super Bowl. That's the thing. Yeah, but, but I could consider that carrying. Brock, tell me this. Jimmy Garoppolo wasn't that game against the Packers. Was he going to... Take him on that drive. I don't think so. Right? Maybe Bro- they would have had a different game plan, like, obviously. Okay, yes. I know McCaffrey got the throw. touchdown. Yeah, yeah. But Brock Purdy threw his way there. Yeah. Yeah, Ayuk made some good catches. Don't get me wrong. 
but the 49ers threw the ball to get the touchdown. Yeah. Like, I, I don't like doing the argument of replace this guy with this guy to see what happens because sometimes you might have to do that. I said that with Deshaun Watson back when he was with Houston and Patrick Mahomes a little bit. But obviously, now people can say, like, look at Jordan Love, right? Um, do I think Brock Purdy could do what he's doing with Matt LaFleur? It's tough to tell, but it's not even it's not fair to both guys either. One guy w- was meant to be a first round pick, which was Jordan Love. The other guy was literally Mr. Irrelevant, was one pick away from being undrafted. He worked his ass off. You give him credit. And uh, I mean, the dude was undefeated in the regular season until this year. And now he's in a second NFC championship game and was an injury away of making the Super Bowl last year, probably. Exactly. This guy's two years in the league, a year and a half in the league. And he has two NFC championship appearances. Okay, talk. <laughs> that's that's not good for. Alright, just talk. Yeah, yeah, but um, talk about the game now. Yeah, let's talk. Let's start talking about the game. Like you can't tell me. Okay, yeah, I know Brock Purdy didn't have the best performance. Don't get me wrong. But one thing you could come out saying with that game, you one take takeaway you have is that Brock Purdy can get the job done when it matters. And I agree with your point 100. What you said last time. Like, yeah, he he if he didn't like. The one thing he did that Jordan Love didn't do was go down the field. Even Baker. Yeah, like, <laughs> like, the like one thing he did was he went down the field and did it. Like, you would argue Baker and Jordan Love had better games than Brock Purdy. You could yeah, say that, for right? Sure. But when it matters most, same thing with Josh Allen. He didn't get the job done when it mattered most. Yeah. But anyways, let's get to the game. The biggest question mark from the San Francisco side of things is Debo Samuel's health. He's 50-50. He hasn't practiced yet. Uh, is it going to be a difference? 1,000% it will be a difference. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, obviously, Debo Samuel, who was injured during the week as well, um, during the year, I mean. Uh, that's when the Niners went on their losing streak a little bit here. Uh, I think Debo played the, the third game of the losing streak, but the first two, he was out. Alongside with Trent Williams as well, don't get me wrong. They're big factors. Yeah. But at the end of the day, Debo and Christian McCaffrey are like your Swiss Army knives. You could legit put Debo at running back and McCaffrey at wide receiver. And Debo is an important piece for this team. But at the same time, they have depth, man. Like, yeah, they 100%. do have depth. Don't get me wrong. They need Debo. Listen. But I'm still confident without Debo in that 49ers offense. The the Lions things, first of all, they brought in Zach Ertz, so, uh, so which means Sam Laporta isn't 100% there. Makes sense, even though he, was, he played well last game. But then, uh, speaking back on the 49ers side of things, the Lions defense in the second half wasn't the greatest, right? Their safe, their secondary was giving up a lot of chunk plays. Mike Evans obviously balled out in the second half especially. And you can't do hey, you can't do that against Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle, uh, Christian McCaffrey, could play out of the backfield or even just put him on wide slot or whatever wide receiver. And um, and if Debo plays, you're screwed. That's where the issue is going to be with Detroit. So if San Francisco just gives them enough time to protect Brock Purdy, he should be able to pick out his option. You have playmakers, even if it's a 50-50 ball, to potentially make a play. And that's how they'll probably end up winning this game. they got to win the trenches battle because that's... that's um, Obviously, trenches. You have Aiden Hutchinson coming at you on the one the side. The thing is this. You don't even have to... You can legit get the... Brock Purdy doesn't need to be protected. All he has to do is get rid of the ball quick. That and yeah. then Christian you don't need to. You don't need to do 50-50 plays. You just... You genuinely could get those like slant plays... To Debo Samuel, the slant plays to Christian McCaffrey or Brandon Ayuk or um, the dig routes or all this stuff, right? Like, Brock Purdy, if he gets his ball out quick, Aiden Hutchinson's going to get frustrated. At the end of the day, we all know the Lions' best player on defense is Aiden Hutchinson. 
Yeah. And we all know that their front, the Lions front, is way better than their secondary. Performance-wise. Performance-wise. Obviously, on paper, when you have C.J. Garner-Johnson, when you have uh, Cam Sutton, who's been pretty good um, in his throughout his career, except for this year, Ian Hutchison needs to take over this game. And the best way to eliminate a D-end is to get rid of the ball quick. Don't give him a chance to pressure you. And on the flip side, defensively, San Francisco needs to get to Jared Goff and make him make bad throws. Because Jared Goff was prone to that this year. He's been well in the playoffs so far. But when it comes to... Um, um, in general, we've seen him make mistakes. Usually probably because he's under pressure and he has to get rid of it. Yes, he has playmakers himself. Obviously, uh, Almond Ross St. Brown, Jamison Williams, um, David Montgomery in the backfield, Gibbs. Uh, Jameer Gibbs in the backfield, and you have Sam Laporta, and you have a guy in Zach Ertz. Yeah, he might not be the same Zach Ertz from the Super Bowl winning year, but A, he's won a Super Bowl. You know what? To, he could guide you to certain things. And uh, B, he's still a good player, right? And so the, the trenches battle is more important for the Lions than it is for the 49ers. Yeah. Right? Because what the, um, like, no, don't get me wrong, Lions do have weapons. 49ers just have more. Yeah. Right? And the 49ers' weapons can get open quickly. And that way, Brock pretty could release the ball quick. Whereas on Goff's side, he has that O-line. If that O-line is not playing well, it could be ropes for the uh, the Lions. Yeah. It all um, comes down to that O-line for me. So, that being said, my prediction, um, I'm going to stick by what I said. It's going to be the 49ers. It's going to be by a couple of sc- scores. I'll say, you know, 14.2 touchdown game. Uh, it's in San Francisco. Detroit's on a good run. However, the way San Francisco did play last week scares me a little bit with this pick, but I think they'll bounce back from that. I think this team has a better chance of winning the aerial battle compared to that team uh, against Green Bay was. At least, I don't know. We'll see, though. It's a tougher one because just because I thought San Francisco could comfort, have comfort. So you just said it was a 14-point game. Now he says it's a tough one. <laughs> it's still a tough one, but I'm going to go with 14-point game. Okay, when it's a tough one, it's going to be a close game for me. I get It's crazy to say. I'm like, I'm like mind-blown that I'm going to say this, but I do believe it. I give the Lions more of a chance than the Chiefs. Right? And the Detroit Lions do have one of the best lines of football. I think behind... On paper and performance-wise, I think behind Philly, they're the best. And uh, I do believe that that group is going to be a solid group. Penny Sewell has been incredible. Frank yeah. Ragnow. Got to give Frank credit Frank Ragnow. Man who's playing legit with half a leg. And yeah. uh, obviously the rest of the O-line. Goff just doesn't turn it over, and he shouldn't turn it over when he's protected. I believe he's going to be protected. But I am going to give the edge to the Niners with a 31-28 to 28 victory so you're not the only one feeling that way out of 45 votes once again go check it on the youtube btr uh, beyond the radar youtube channel the community tab out of 45 votes 53 percent have said the detroit lions 47 percent of them has said the san francisco 49ers that's crazy Uh, (laughs) i don't know how much of they're basing it off of just last game and they're casual fans or whatever the case may be maybe they're not casual fans and they have a feeling that this is like Upset game. I think mom likes the Lions logo better, probably. <laughs> I don't know if she voted, but <laughs> yeah. So that's the that's the prediction side of things. By on Monday or or Tuesday, most likely we'll be talking about the Super Bowl, and we'll see if it is the best on best. I'm hoping for um, a rematch. I'm hoping for the uh, well. There is going to be a rematch. There's so many the rematches actually. If the uh, if the Niners win, there's definitely a rematch, but. 
Uh, I'm hoping for Ravens and Niners. No, honestly, like you have a Chiefs Lions could oh, be a okay, rematch. Oh, okay, no, I mean like Super Bowl rematch. <laughs> you have Ravens I'm Lions could be a rematch. <laughs> yeah, Ravens but Niners obviously. I'm going nine. I want to go Niners Ravens. I think I want to see the two best teams go at it. And unfortunately, if the Lions do win, I'm I'm fine. I'm all for an underdog story. Don't get me wrong, but I just think the if the Ravens get by the Chiefs, I think they're way too good. It's either here's I, the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I either want Ravens and Niners or I want Lions Chiefs. Here's the thing with the Ravens and Lions. The Ravens are shit kicked them once. Yeah. Right. It's hard to be. I say this every single time, off camera, on camera. Yeah. It's always hard to beat a team t- twice. Hundred percent. Evidence. But Bills couldn't do it against the Chiefs. Um, the only thing that really did was the Chiefs and against the Dolphins. Yeah. Uh, another one is uh. Was there another one? Packers. Uh, no, no. Eagles and Buccaneers. Eagles beat the Buccaneers pretty handily in Week Three or Week Two, whatever it was. Buccaneers shit kicked them. So it is very difficult to beat a team twice, especially when you shit kick them. That's gonna be on their heads. Yeah. If it is a Ravens Lions, I think it will be a cl- little bit. I think the Ravens will have that, but if it's cl- it's gonna be closer than that game for sure. All right, let's get into the coaching hires, the GM hires, the DCOC hires and fires, everything that went down in the NFL. Uh, first off, let's just get the biggest one as soon as before we hit record. This news dropped: Jim Harbaugh, uh, Michigan coach now former Michigan coach, is officially hired by the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, They agreed on five-year term, according to Adam Schefter. Uh, He's also a former quarterback for the Chargers. And, uh, yeah, he's what he considers back home. Harbaugh previously served at the NFL from 2011 to 2014 for the Niners, led them to the NFC or the Super Bowl, ended up losing to his own brother. The Baltimore Ravens led John Harbaugh team. Uh, record of 44, 19, and 1. So it wasn't even like he was a bum in college. I mean, Sorry, in, um, in he NFL. Took, he took his team to the Super Bowl. Yeah, so... And then during Michigan, he was 89 and 25, obviously coming off the hump of winning a championship so and getting into the playoffs. The Chargers got themselves a winning coach, right? He's been in the Super Bowl. He's won a national title. He has a former player. He, is also, a, he was also a former player for Michigan as well. So he's coaching... And played at the same location. Yeah. Or same team, at least. Yeah, I mean, Jim Harbaugh's going to come in and take no BS, right? Because at the end of the day, the players did not back Staley. You can yeah. just tell. That's not going to happen with Harbaugh. He's uh, obviously an offensive guy, so he's going to obviously be help Justin Herbert a lot there. We'll see what happens there. I think it's a good hire. Uh, we'll talk about more of the hires and we'll talk about the coaches collectively because we've got to talk about the NBA coaching situation. Yeah, the Chargers well. need to go big, right? They are, does like Harbaugh or Belichick? Yeah, I yeah. So the, okay, I'll just let's bring it here because okay, no, let's talk about the other hire quickly. It's uh, the Tennessee Titans also have hired their head coach, and it's Brian Callahan, out of the Cincinnati Bengals. He was their OC. He was the longest serving OC I think in the NFL at this point. <laughs> now, wow, yeah, that's crazy. from what I saw. And uh, yeah, the thing the thing with Callahan, I like the hire. Don't get me wrong. I do obviously. First of all, we we, we don't understand why he got rid of Rabel, but that's that's happened. We got to move on from that. Callahan, I like it just because you do have a young quarterback in Will Levis that who who did show a lot of potential in his rookie year. Callahan and Sirianni are kind of similar to me. Reason being that they're both getting head coaching jobs, but they both never called plays. At being the previous OC. Yeah. So there's a risk there. There's something that correlates. And Sirianni did not do a good job calling plays just because he gave that uh, duty to Steichen and then this year to Brian 
Johnson. So, so Callahan's going to be... Uh, he's going to yeah, be so in the trash scene. I was going to ask you that. He wasn't a play caller, right? Yeah, okay. it was uh, Zach Taylor. So, yeah. Obviously, but but when you go home from the Bengals, the thing is, Sirianni came to the Colts, right? Don't get me wrong, Colts were pretty shit. Bengals were actually good. They made Jake Browning look really good. Obviously, that's a lot of credit to Callahan. And then, obviously, what we've seen from Joe Burrow is obviously a lot of credit to Callahan. As that. Drawing up plays, coming up with plays, he's he's fine with that. The issue is figuring out which ones to call at this moment is going to be Callahan's toughest challenge. I'm not saying he can't do it, but I'm saying that's going to be your biggest question mark. Like It's like a quarterback, right, and a coach. Quarterback, the question mark is can he do it when it's when it, when it's the clutch, can he do in the clutch? Can Brian Callahan call plays? As simple as that. Yeah. So for me, it's this, right? I thought the best fit for Belichick was the Chargers, and I know he's rumored for Atlanta. And the reason why I don't like the Atlanta fit is I would prefer um, Ben Johnson there, is because young weapons. You're gonna have probably a draft a QB most likely, or you're gonna trade for Justin Fields or whatever the case may be. Um, and you let Ben Johnson, who was the play caller, I'm pretty sure, cook there. But obviously, they might go the Belichick route. Chargers, I was thinking either you go... Um, I go, I think you go offense, and you just let uh, find a guy who could do the defense for them. I think Jim Harbaugh is the second best option after Belichick. Both of them were the top choices for me. And, uh, yeah, like it, for me, it's always like... And we're going to talk about it later in the NBA a little bit more, so I'm going to just quickly sum it here. I feel like if you're a team that's uh, bound to win now, especially if you have the guy, now, they, Justin Herbert isn't a per, uh, superstar like a Tom Brady was, currently if Patrick Mahomes is. So you don't need to have a, like, what's the word? Like, you didn't really need to have, like, a veteran-proven guy who's done it. Not a veteran-proven guy who hasn't done it. A veteran-proven guy who has done it, right? Like, for hi- hypothetical situation, if Mike Tomlin was available... That's a guy I would say you would need to go to, for example, if Philly were to fire Nick Sirianni, which they obviously are not, that's like the guy you should probably go who's ready to win. I think Chargers are ready to win right now. And that's why I think Jim Harbaugh, it makes a lot of sense. He'll fix up their offense a lot. Can, the question for him is, can you find the right defensive coordinator yeah. <laughs> to help that defense out? Who was well? Who does? Who played well for them, right? And then you talk about Titans' sake. They're not ready to win now, and they've gone with a younger head coach, yeah. Brian Callahan. And uh, risky though, not a play caller. Is, yeah, so it is risky. I do believe it will work out. Yeah. And Colts, Colts had him top three or four. Yeah, exactly. And uh, when you look at Belichick to Falcons, the reason why I do like it is that the Belichick doesn't have to really build that defense. That defense was pretty good this year, and uh, Bill Belichick. Never really had incredible weapons group, right? Obviously, yeah. he had Randy Moss and then he had Gronk, but they're like different times. Th- like, he has a weapon group with B. John, Drake London, Kyle Pitts, and all these guys, Cordero Patterson, Algier. All all Atlanta is missing is a quarterback. And that's why I do believe Belichick is a good fit there. Yeah, so let's see what happens with that. I'm going to talk about the opening in a second, but we have a couple of GM hires. Start off with the Panthers who are hiring. Uh, Dan Morgan, a former first-round pick off the Panthers in 2001, played seven seasons for the franchise and has been in their front office for the last seven years. So he's uh, obviously tasked to find a head coach for them. On the flip side, though, um, 
Tom Telesco, former GM of the Chargers, Chargers is now a, the Raiders GM. And here's the thing, right? Which is fine. I think Telesco did a good job. I think the only bad job he really did was hire Staley and keep him for as long as, long as he did. Outside of that, he, I think he built a great squad. He'll be fine in Vegas. So nothing wrong with a hire, in my opinion. Established GM. I didn't think he deserved to be fired. If he was available, I knew he was going to get scooped up really quick. He did. The thing is, both the Raiders and the Chargers have hired their head coaches before they hired their GMs. So which means if Antonio Pierce... And Jim Harbaugh, I think Jim Harbaugh is a little bit more safer because he's yeah, at least Harbaugh's established. Team. But at the same time, if they're not playing well and it's not the GM's guy, Antonio Pierce could be fired next year for all we know. Short leash, yeah. It's definitely going to be a short leash. The thing is this, bro. I don't think the Raiders, uh, the Raiders couldn't go any other way, yeah. realistically. Because Max Crosby. Especially that, no, but in general. like, yeah. We saw Antonio Pierce bring life into this Raiders team. Yeah. To the point that Devontae Adams wouldn't want to leave, type yes. of thing. Yeah, I still think Devontae Adams is going to leave, but... But yeah, no, talk about, like, at the end of the day, like, they were playing meaningful football up yeah. until the, the second, second last, last week. week. Yeah. yeah. So, what he has done with Aiden O'Connell, what he has done with that defense, the Raiders' defense killed it in that stretch, and he's a linebacker's coach, right? He, he, he knows a thing or two defensively. He just needs to get the right offensive mind. So, the current openings, GM-wise, also the Patriots have hired their coach before, <laughs> their GM. Yeah. So, it's the Chargers and the Patriots. Um, Chargers, at Dodds, is one of the favorites to go there. We'll see if that happens, especially with Jim Har- Harbaugh hired, um, because the Colts were in on Jim Harbaugh last year. Uh, coaches, Seahawks, Commanders, Falcons, Panthers, right? So, yeah, because Chargers fill their spot up now. Bill Belichick is out there. Ben Johnson's out there. And uh, Mike Vrabel's out there. There's four spots left. Right now, Ben Johnson apparently has a commander's job or is close to it or something like that. Yeah. Chargers, or sorry, not Chargers. Um, Seahawks have interviewed a couple of different people, Dan Quinn being one of them. Falcons. Mike Vrabel is currently with the Falcons facility and now he's going to the Panthers facility. If I'm the Panthers, do not get Mike. If I'm Mike Vrabel, do not go to the Panthers. Yeah. <laughs> there could be a potential possibility one of Vrabel or Bill Belichick might not get a job this year, which is more likely to be Vrabel than Belichick, but which is should be which should be wrong in my opinion. For me, I think the Commanders just need to get Ben Johnson's the right guy, for me. Yeah. Again, I think the Falcons. Me, yeah. I think I would love Ben Johnson and the Falcons more. Yeah, Falcons and Commanders for Ben Johnson make sense to me. Falcons still do make sense for Belichick to me. I just feel like because the division is also weak. Yeah, and they're and just yeah. a sneaky good team that could. Just I think use the Seahawks coach. need to scoop up Vrabel at this point. They need that's the perfect spot for me, guy who's like hardcore, and then could fix up their defense a little bit more. I know Dan Quinn is out there, but we there's a lot of taste, bad taste in everyone's mouth after that uh, Cowboys game against the Packers. But yeah, so like I don't know who else is there. The Panthers is such a bad job that I feel like. Any D- DC or OC that's available should take it, <laughs> that can take it. But I don't know what's going to happen. Because yeah. I think if Vrabel goes there, yes, he'll set the culture. But I don't, I think. How is he going to? I just think, I don't like the owner there. Dave, I don't like David Tepper. How <laughs> yeah, he's gonna how he shit. acted this year. The good well. news is they hired a GM, so he'll get his choice, most mm. likely. But does he really? Because uh, Bryce Young and CJ rumors were there as well. That was a Tepper choice. But yeah, we'll see what happens there in the coaching. Um, Belichick obviously um, is also taking a second interview with the Falcons as well. So we'll see how that goes. But 
uh, coordinator wise, there's a lot of lot of big names that are getting changed right now. First off, um, the Chicago Bears got Shane Waldron. He was on the Seahawks staff. Uh, again, we already know what the big question for the Bears is: who's their QB next year? And um, again, I I don't think Justin Fields should be let go. But the only reason why I'm saying you just draft Caleb Williams or whoever they deem to be number one is just because you have more leverage on the contracts and i feel like justin fields could fetch you and also a couple yeah. of picks and also this is the second year in a row yeah this is happening to fields right? exactly so like now it's not tr- fields fault because yeah his, oh, the offensive staffs don't have been yeah crazy. you trusted it last year but can you trust it again this year that's also a thing like they might not want to look to make the same mistake twice yeah um so that's shane waldron next one brian johnson officially out in philly and uh the some names that are being talked about right now Arthur Smith and Cliff Kingsbury. Arthur Smith has like seven options apparently right now for OC. Honestly, Arthur Smith was a really good OC in yeah. Tennessee. Yeah. Uh, he just wasn't a good head coach. They're a great head coach. Yeah. So I don't mind Arthur Smith there. And Arthur Smith, the one thing Arthur Smith can work with is a run game. Yeah. We saw that with the Tannehill and Derrick Henry. He got the best out of those two. Exactly. And then Cliff Kingsbury is still out there for OC positions. I think it was the Bears before they hired Shane Waldron. Um, I know he. I think he was in USC this past year. I have no clue though. But so let's see what happens there. Um, Joe Barry out in Green Bay as the defensive as coordinator. I think f- Green Bay fans are very happy with that. They've been yeah. calling for that. I think mid season, even early on. And yeah, Packers defense was an issue. Um, they're a good talent. They just, it just felt like the scheme wasn't working, and it showed. And the last one is the f- surprising one to me. Vic Fangio out as DC, defensive coordinator from the Miami Dolphins. They both parted ways. He's the favorite to be the Eagles defensive coordinator. He was supposed to get the job last year, apparently. But because I'm pretty sure he was the highest paid coordinator last year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. But yeah, because the Eagles obviously let go of Sean Desai slash Matt Patricia. They need an opening. Vic Fangio obviously could fit well there. But yeah, a little surprising out there as Wait, well. It's, it's just, here's the thing. like I feel like I'm surprised and not surprised at the same time because surprised... Because I thought the Dolphins' defense did do pretty decent under Fangio. And then there was a report saying that, like, in the middle of the year, like, the players coming out and saying that, yo, I think we finally figured out Vic's schemes and stuff. Yeah. it took him a little bit of time. Yeah. On the flip side, that also might be a thing. Some of the players might not just understand Vic Fangio <laughs> at all. And I guess that disconnect between player and coordinator could have been an issue as well there just because the players weren't understanding the system. And it took him this long to do it when he had a whole off season. Okay, let's let's move on. I think that's it for me for that's the NFL it, side yeah. of things. Comment your Super Bowl matchup down below. Let's see what you guys predict. Um, we actually have a poll coming out Thursday or Friday, one of the mornings, to determine what matchup you would like to see. Again, subscribe to the Beyond the Radar channel on the community tab, and you'll catch it there as well. Um, next up. You, I'm going to give you an option. Do we go serious route, go to the NHL, go or hockey general, serious. or NBA? Hockey. Hockey? Okay, so uh, let me just get the stuff out here. Because as everybody knows now, especially if you're a Canadian, uh, there has been a case that's been going on for a while now, and it's, re- it's regarding the World Junior um, Canadian team. Canadian team. World Junior Canadian ho- hockey team from 2018. There has been... And a long investigation, yeah. In many so, cases as well. So news that broke this mor- morning on Wednesday morning by Rick Westhead, tweeted of TSN, tweeted 
breaking, five members of the 2018 World Junior Hockey Team have been told to surrender to London, Ontario police to face charges of sexual assault. The Globe and Mail reports, citing unnamed sources. The Globe reports the players who have not been charged yet have been given a set period of time to present themselves at London police headquarters. So five guys for sure, I think, are done. Like, they're done. Those of you guys don't know the situation, it's members of the team sexually assaulted a girl in a hotel room, I believe, during, obviously. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to name some players. There's no... Okay, so based, based on this report, we're going to make it clear, everything's alleged in terms of the player side of no, things. No players have been announced, announced. yet. But we're going to bring some players up and we're going to still be respectful to the situation because it's super sensitive. We're not going to accuse these players, but we're going to say there's... It's a coincidence. You guys could judge if it's a coincidence or not because we, ha- we have to talk about it, right? Um... So before I bring up the players that are in question right now, that based on, I guess, det- based on your own detective work, um, this was this was the, some of the players. I'm not gonna name the whole roster, but some of the players that were on that national team, on the Canadian national team, um, Carter Hart, Jake Bean, Connor Timmins, Cal Foot, Kale McCarr, Dante Fabro, assistant captain, Victor Mete, assistant captain. Dylan Dubé, captain. Jonah Gadjovic for the Canucks fans. Um, Maxime Comtois. Drake Batherson. Michael McLeod. Alex Formanton. Robert Thomas. Jordan Cairo. These are the, some members of the roster that were named. And recently, what happened was there's been five of these names that I named. Five players have recently been. Not let go by their teams, but respective teams, but out, out indefinitely. Out indefinitely for personal personal reasons. reasons yeah. Um, Calgary, which we'll start off with the first name, Dylan Dubé, and I uh, reason why I wanted to mention assistant captain, captain. He was the captain of this team. Yeah. Um. Again, allegedly these players. It could be a whole coincidence that these players I'm about to name, hap- not happen to be involved. But basic understanding. Five players are unnamed. I'm about to name five players. That only five players have been um, out for personal reasons. Out for personal reasons. I remember a lot of players have come out and put statements out in the past. I'm not sure if any of these five were, but Dubé. Dylan Dubé is one. Carter Hart is the second. Who re- it was I think this week that Philly set stated that out. Michael McLeod from the Devils, along with Cal Foot, and the Cal Foot one could extend. Because Vancouver Canucks assistant head coach is Adam Foote, which is his dad. Adam Foote, obviously a legend in the NHL. The thing with Adam Foote, though, is it's a little bit of a situation if we don't know how much he knew of the situation. As well, In terms yeah. of in-depth in of it. Obviously, yeah. he knew the story involved or whatever. Yeah. And the last one is Alex Formanton, who was a former NHLer. It was in Switzerland, but it was granted leave by his team to come back to Canada. That one definitely is like, okay, wait, what? One name, coincidence. Two, maybe. Five guys from the same team. Again, we're not accusing them, but it's tough to believe it's a coincidence. We have to mention this right now, but we're saying allegedly these are the five players that are probably ruined their careers. Best way to put it. Yeah, um, if it is true, it's just a stupid mistake. We, we say for everyone who's been in these situations, they just messed up, right? And 
it's honestly like it's irresponsible it's stupid like you're just throwing your careers away and uh, i just still don't understand it to this day what led you to make that decision the problem here is okay before before i give you my opinion London, Ontario police launched an investigation in 2022 after word emerged that Hockey Canada had settled a lawsuit with a woman who said she was sexually assaulted by eight members of that team at a gala. Three more players, that means they're remaining. Okay. The Globe and Mail reported Wednesday that five players from that team, already said that part, um, were asked to surrender. A spokesperson for the London police would not confirm the report when contacted by the Associated Press. When there's an update to provide, we will share with media outlets. Um... Bill Daly, same de- deputy commissioner, said similarly, we're not, we're just letting them handle it. Um, I think, I'm trying to find the exact date. I think it's February. Uh, I sent it to my friend, so uh, let me just pick that up. I think it's around February. Uh, right here. You find the it? London yeah. Police Service says it will be a, uh, it will hold a press conference on February 5th to provide an update on this, um, on these allegations. So, yeah, so five players report are rumored to be, obviously, never play hockey again, probably, uh, on a professional level. Three players still unnamed. We don't know that. Um, back to the thing, though. In general, we've talked about it before with Kevin Porter Jr. in the past. We've talked about it with different situations. The problem now is I feel like players, athletes, celebrities in general, not just athletes, think they have too much power over situations could be woman it could be woman to men it could be just abuse in general they have they think they're they're on planet they're on they're god or whatever yeah. the case may be this case you're canadian national team players hockey canada massive thing you're on top of the world especially if you win right um that's getting a lot to people's heads celebrities now have to be careful just because i'm not all the time it's on them, but they have to be the ones, guys and girls in general, because you don't know if the other person is lying or not. In this case, it doesn't seem that, that to be the case, like it was for that punter from the Bills, Ar- Ariza. Yeah, Ariza. Like that one was confirmed that the girl was like looking for clout. Um, reports about the Josh Giddy, allegedly the girl said she was overage, but wasn't, right? Like w- Nowadays, social media has caused people's age to be more older than they seem to be, guys, girls, etc. This one is the same thing. Um, they just this one well, they're fucked. There's eight guys against one girl, right? Hypothetically, it could still be true that the girl was looking for cloud and just trying to get something out of it, but I don't think that's the case. There's no reports on that. We're not gonna go based on that. Uh, from this case, it looks like the investigation literally said five guys have to come in and give themselves in, right? Surrender themselves in. So. It's just like you guys, like these are young kids. Obviously, a lot of them made a lot of, the, some of these guys are in the NHL for a reason. And uh, yeah, so going future, if any young kids are watching this, be careful. Don't make stupid mistakes like this that will get you in trouble. I'm glad the girl has come out and, you know, because Hockey Canada supposedly used hush money, which is, you know how like we have BC yeah, Soccer, yeah. Canada Soccer? Can, uh, hockey keep Canada them, had hush like, don't, money don't on like, the side for this. Don't, like, keep giving them some money. Don't talk. Right? Don't say anything. Type of thing. Type of thing, right? right? So, so, I'm keep glad them, keep this was quiet, So, keep Hockey Canada quiet, was yeah. looked bad because of that. That was yeah. the alleged report as well. 
In this case, the again, like I said many times in the past, um, the one good thing about social media is you have the ability to talk on podcast, post yourself. We saw the Mason Greenwood situation. Obviously, we that story outcome is a little bit different there. We saw it with the the Kevin Porter Jr. situation from the NBA. We've seen it everywhere and every place now. Um, obviously, the ma- um, not to this extent, but the Mike Babcock thing when it was uh, reported by Spit and Chicklets podcast. Yeah. So, yeah, um, young athletes out there, young celebrities, whatever you guys are pursuing to be, do not make mistakes like these. You're going to only ask. You're going to be in uh, trouble. Yeah, stay you're away from the wrong crowd. You were, you're going to be in trouble. And uh, it just think twice before you do something. No matter what it Three is. Three times. <laughs> and then and then if you think it's wrong, do not do it. If it is wrong, do not do it. And in this case, these players did not think twice. Did not probably even th- thought once. Yeah. So, uh, we'll keep you guys updated. We Again, we don't know if these five players just happen to be a coincidence or if there was a mistake. But the re- the ties are there. Like, that's t- all we're going to say. We're not yeah, saying we're this is true. Wrap it here. The ties uh, are there. We got to talk about one thing about the NHL because yeah. the timing was insane for the NHL to release this statement this morning because it was literally half an hour or so later after this report was dropped by Rick Westhead that the Utah uh, Jazz owner Ryan Smith wants possible expansion for the NHL. And everybody hated it because they knew it, they felt like it was like a HR plug that like just to take attention off of this. Um, obviously people didn't really fall for it it's pretty stupid but since this is out reporting wise we kind of have to report it as a podcast um, again the World Junior Canada situation way more important than this right now but we do got to talk about the Utah situation back in the summer we talked about Arizona and we said Utah is one spot that they might relocate to this case they're looking for an ex- expansion on top I'm fine with 32 teams I don't know about you I'm perfectly fine with 32 teams. I'm fine with 32 teams. So if anything, teams just need to find... If there are teams like Arizona, they got to relocate. That's the best way I could put it. But what's the point? Like, you have 32 teams, right? But if you do expand and you go to 34 or 36... Eventually, it will. uh, Well, how will this affect the playoff format? (laughs) I mean, NHL, we were literally at a 30 situation not too long ago. We were at 31 <laughs> not too long ago. Before that, it was like 24. But 32 it still makes sense to have this normal. 4 by 8 or 8 by 4, yeah. however you want to put it. Like formatting of the standings, obviously. For yeah. Uh, divisions. And you have the, the playoff format. Like, does it increase as well? Do more teams get in? Right? Like how yeah. NBA has their uh, play-in. Yeah, but... Yeah. Um, I think this is maybe not be an expansion, but this puts serious interest for... a potent- If Arizona does relocate it, that, okay... Utah has a plan in place. I haven't looked at the report. I didn't bother because I thought the, the the World Junior stuff was more important to look at. I didn't want to read two full pages of Ryan Smith of saying that. Not saying that it's not deserved to be looked at, but I don't know if there's even... I think there was this report that the, in the report or something or someone was saying that uh, um, state arena plans weren't even made yet. Yeah. So, but in stuff like this, you need arena plans made or, st- you know, in basketball, stadium plan made, et cetera, et cetera. We but yeah, that's the Utah side of things. You have yeah, thoughts? Um, last bit? We don't know how Utah is as a hockey town just because we never seen Utah as a, Utah as a hockey I heard town. Salt Lake City is pretty sick. But yeah. <laughs> or Utah is a state, right? Utah is a state. Yeah. So as a hockey state. So yeah. Yes. Obviously, I would, if I would like to see an expansion or a team, like I would like to see. Utah makes a sense. Place, yeah, school. I would like to see a place yeah. that never has a chance before, right? Yeah. Like Atlanta had many chances. Utah yeah. never had a chance. 
So yeah, um, that's the hockey side of things. Um, let's move on to NBA before that quick news on the transfer window side of things. Uh, Kareem Benzema <laughs> might be linked to place other places. Chelsea was one. Chelsea uh, showed interest. Chelsea, speaking of them, they came back and beat Middlesbrough. They're in the final for the Carabao Cup. Liverpool, Liverpool also made it, so that's your final there. The big other news, transfer news is Calvin Phillips is now a member of West Ham on loan. Yeah. Uh, Man United reason, we might be definitely getting a striker because um, Martial's, Martial's out for 10 months. So he's yeah. a free agent after this year. He's no longer a United player, most likely. We'll see what happens with that. Um, apparently, in US, so Ratcliffe is doing a good job. He's filtering out any... Yeah, I think he has full control, and the Glaciers actually might not have control, which is good. Which is good, yeah. But anyways, let's move on. NBA, I guess. NBA. Terry Rozier. Massive news here. Let's start Ta- off, yeah. Yeah, Terry Rozier. Obviously, we're a couple of days late now. But Terry Rozier is now a member of the Miami Heat. He was traded to the Heat from the Charlotte Hornets for Kyle Lowry and a first-round pick. Um, pick has protection, so let me just pull that up. Yeah, so we'll talk about trade first quickly while you pull that up. Terry Rozier is a is a scorer. That's how you label him as an NBA player. He is a scorer. Not a bad passer either. He obviously he's a point guard. He's a guard, and uh, his best ability is to score. Yeah, Miami. He could definitely use some scoring. That that is for sure. As some a sort of out- offensive output. Okay, so the trade is the 2027 first-round pick for Terry Rozier, lottery protected. If it is gets protected, then it just becomes unprotected the following year in 2028. So, trade reaction first. Um, obviously, this was rumored heavily. There was a lot of reports that Kyle Lowry was going to be gone. Obviously, ended up happening. Terry Rozier was going to be a Heat. Ended up happening. I think that ends all the DeJounte Murray to the Heat talk, most likely, for now. Um, but going back to this, I like it for the Heat. Because once upon a time, Terry Rozier was part of that. He was a starting point guard of that Jason Tatum rookie uh, Celtics team that went to the conference finals when Kyrie was injured. Yeah. Excuse me. And he was that, you know, a gritty guy. I'm not saying he's like this all-world defender. Um, but for the Heat, I think it's great. Because the only issue is it might be a little bit small with the back anyways. Kyle Lowry plays big. He might be small, but he plays big. He's a better defender. Yeah, Kyle Lowry's a short player himself. The, the thing is this, right? Like, you upgrade scoring-wise. You upgrade, upgrade you know, shooting-wise. Obviously, Kyle Lowry is the better playmaker, ball handler, but and the better defender. But the thing is, for the Heat, I think you have already good defenders in place, right? Ball handling-wise, I still believe Terry Rozier can do the job. Yeah, I still think they could go get someone else if they can. Tyus Jones, I will always yeah. put that out there. And then, but, but the biggest thing is this: like, you need scorers around Jimmy Butler, right? Tyler Hero is a good scorer around Jimmy Butler. Issue with him is injuries. Bam Adebayo is your point guy, uh, paint guy, right? He's not going to do anything from outside. Terry Rozier can do it from the outside. Yeah, he's a high volume guy. Like, obviously, it's Charlotte. No one gives a shit about Charlotte these last two years. Um, obviously his numbers look good, but his uh, averages weren't the greatest because of Charlotte. Um, but like I said, he'll, I think he fits that heat culture, um, well, because he is a gritty dude from what I remember. Um, does this put, make the heat the favorites or like second or third? No, I think they're, I think they push Philly for third. That's for sure. Um, I think they're ahead, they're slightly ahead of the pack of the Knicks and the, and the Cavs and, uh, and the Pacers in them, but it's the Heat. They made it to the finals last year for a reason. 
They could make it again this year for all we know. They're going to be a gritty team always, and Jimmy Butler turns into a superstar in the playoffs. Otherwise, out of the regular season, he ain't a superstar player. And then on top of that, like when he's like lost Vincent and Strauss, this is a good replacement for both of them as well. Yeah. So overall, for the Heat, I like it. Not too much you gave up. You just literally gave up an expiring contract and a, a protected first. That is literally a couple of years from now. Um, should help them in the push. I I was not a believer in the Heat at the beginning of the year. They obviously made me eat my words. And this is just this is better. I yeah, feel like they're I'm the only one had I'm the only one really had faith in them. I <laughs> I feel like they're one they're another piece away from officially challenging the Boston Celtics completely. But yeah, that's just me. Charlotte, we'll very quickly mention you guys. Uh, you guys are obviously selling. It's very clear. You guys are building around the mellow ball, ball and Brandon, Brandon Miller, Miller and Mark Williams when he well, comes we back said healthy. At the exact same time. Yeah, <laughs> we're brothers for a reason. But yeah, those three guys are your main building blocks. They're not done yet. They're going to still be looking to trade P.J. Washington. Miles Bridges, even though he has a little bit of a you know, a case with him. And uh, Gordon Hayward. The problem is, how much are you going to get for those guys? P.J. Washington might be the most um, the thing valuable. Th- yeah, P.J. Washington is definitely the most valuable. The thing with this is, they're getting rid of big contracts as well, right? Um, Gordon Hayward, is, at the end of the day, is a big contract. Um, I don't know what, P- what P.J. Washington's contract is, but Terry Rozier had a big one too. There's the problem. Well. Yeah. Um, the problem now is Ky- they're still trying to tra- they're also going to try to trade Kyle Lowry. I don't think anyone will pick up Kyle Lowry. But the problem with this is so this is the update on Kyle Lowry. I think he's going to get bought out. I think 100%. He might, I think he might play a couple of games, sure. But at the m- otherwise, he might not play any like what, what Russell Westbrook did with the Utah Jazz last year before he got picked up by the Clippers after getting traded from the Lakers. Um, but under the new CBA rules, contenders such as Phoenix, Milwaukee, Boston, and Denver cannot acquire Kyle Lowry throughout the buyout market as his salary exceeds the mid-level exception threshold. So if you have a buyout, they must be at least mid-level exception or lower. Would would you because I'm assuming Kyle Lowry I'm going to bring I'm going to bring some teams up now. Yeah, I'm I like There's two one on second. the top of my head. One second though. Kyle Lowry is going to be on a playoff team. 100%. Right. And Kyle Lowry does bring value to a playoff team still at his yeah, age. He didn't he yeah, regular season wise he has, may have not been the greatest. He performed uh, in the but playoffs. But in the playoffs, he was fine last year. He was good. Right? And there's two teams that make. Uh, listen, every playoff team should have Kyle Lowry because A, not just the leadership, but B, he's still a good playmaker and a gritty defender. B, the other thing is, if Kyle, on the Kyle Lowry side of things, there's two teams that make a lot of sense for me that will get a bunch of playing time, I believe, whether it be off the bench or as a starter. That makes sense. Obviously, I wish I could hope my Lakers could get him for I a was little bit. Ask but that's not the team I'm thinking of. There's two teams. Number one is very obvious. He wants to go back home. No, not Toronto, but Philly. Philadelphia. Nick Nurse. And that's the other factor. He'll be with Nick Nurse. Well, he already knows the Nick Nurse system. He's gonna. He's a guy who wants who won a championship. Philly ha- is looking for that. He he could be the point guard guy because they don't really have a dis- distributor as good as Maxi has been. Kyle Lowry is gonna fill in the James Harden role apart from the scoring. Yeah. Right, and he'll have better defense than James Harden, so that is a good fit there. Like sure. so their guards, I don't know why Batum is labeled as a guard, but Patrick Beverly not as good a passer as him. Yeah, Maxie, no, they have, they have no Melton, right? Those are the only guys. Maxi's a better scorer than he is a playmaker. Yeah. So those, I mean, again, I don't know what your starting lineup is on the top of my head, but. I think Kyle Lowry's a perfect fit there. He reunites with Nick Nurse. He could um, help lead that team to wherever he wants. Obviously, Raptor fans don't like that because it's uh, Philly. But and then he gets to go home. This is his hometown. Where he played college as well in Villanova. 
The other team that makes a lot of sense may not be as big of a contender as um, uh, there's actually two teams from the West. Number one, the New Orleans Pelicans. Yes. Similar situation. They don't have a. They don't have a lead point guard a that's a playmaker. As good as C- I mean, they're playing well, but as good as CJ McCollum is, uh, he's not the Kyle Lowry passer. He's a shooting guard than he is a point guard. And he's a he could be the vet, right, on that team that could help put them over the hump, right? Because they're playing well. I don't see anyone really that has been the, like. Oh, and he gets to reunite with Jonas Valanciunas, but <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> outside of that, I feel like that's a good spot for him. All right. Again, he doesn't need to start, but. W- when push comes to sub, he could be the closer. He could start some games if he needs to, um, because I know they still have, they need to play their defense with Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, and all these guys are on that roster. But I I can't see why not that team will fit. Again, they're not the contender that the Philly teams might be, and they might not be the true contender. And we'll talk about contenders, pretenders once the NFL season ends, when we have more time to talk NBA and NHL. But I feel like that's a really good spot for him, if you agree or disagree with that. I agree. I agree with that. Same, same, same situation as in Philly. They don't have a true... We're looking for spots that need a true point guard, right? Yeah. Obviously, Suns will be a good one, but they don't. They can't have him. And then Lakers, just to take pressure off LeBron. But here's my other one. Same young team. They don't need him, necessarily, because they have the guy playing his position. Yeah. Shade, uh, it's uh, OKC Thunder. Just a guy to come in there and just show him the ways. That also backup PG is very important in this league as well. Yeah. Right. And uh, he could play with Shea. Shea's a big guard himself. Yeah. And we're not saying that like Kyle Lowry's gonna be that guy. We're not saying yeah. that at all. We're saying Kyle Lowry's gonna fill in and do what he's supposed to do. Kyle Lowry is the mentor. Kyle Lowry's role is he has experience. He is gonna he knows how to lead a team, right? Kyle Lowry knows how to play make. Kyle Lowry can ball handle still. Yeah. Kyle Lowry occasionally can hit the three. Not as not as well as he used to. Kyle Lowry can defend. Yeah. And he is, like you said, way bigger than a six-foot guard. Yeah. That's how he, he plays way bigger than a six-foot yeah. guard. Yeah. So, I think those three are the golden spots for him. Teams that I think could I, be... I was about to throw another one Yeah. that I thought you were going to say. Just because I see these guys every time. It was uh, the Mavericks. I don't think really they have their two guys. I know they have their two guys, just for defense purposes. <laughs> That's why I didn't want to. I didn't want to put it. I don't think he's gonna change their defense like that either, by himself. <laughs> but they don't. I know, but like they they really don't have any. Yeah, I mean, like, like I said, any team that's in the playoffs could use a Kyle Lowry. Even yeah. if you have like four guards, he's he could be the vet guy. But obviously, I'm sure he d- he's still good enough to play. So that's why those three teams make sense. The Lakers make sense. Um, you could throw in the Pacers makes sense in my opinion. Um, yeah. as well but I think that they're fine though uh, at the moment but yeah, no, the Orlando two, the so two biggest ones are for sure Philly and New Orleans. Pelicans yeah. and then Thunder just because uh, uh, yeah we'll see I, I don't see the Thunder as much Comp- I don't think they'll do it but I think they should yeah. is uh, what I'm saying yeah it, it depends but yeah, but definitely Pelicans and so that's Sixers. that's done the NBA that's the Heat side of things comment down below what you guys think how the Heat are going to be after this trade and where do you think Kyle Lowry will end up? But the other news that is way more shocking. Yes, this this one definitely. Um, you could you could see it coming, but at the same time, just because the record, the record, the sh- very short stint for Adrian Griffin. Yeah, 
The Mil- the Milwaukee Bucks have fired Adrian Griffin after 43 games. After 43 games, having the second best record in the NBA, 30 and 13 record, and he has gone. Yes, when you're a casual, when you're kind of like us, but when you're outside of the NBA coming into this season, this is the first year of basketball you're watching. And you probably didn't pay attention. You're probably watching your favorite team. That is not the Milwaukee Bucks. You're like, why the hell are they firing their coach when they're 30 and 13? All right, casual-wise, I'm not as much as you. <laughs> I'm more that. casual than you. Yeah, <laughs> I'm way more casual than you. Listen, NBA. I haven't watched, obviously, again, busy schedules. We can't really tune into every game live, especially. But we know what's going on. Yeah, so what here so is... So we're not that much casuals. Here, okay, <laughs> this is a quick timeline. He was hired before the Damian Lillard trade, Damian Lillard trade, and it was Giannis approved. Giannis did not want Nick Nurse for whatever reason, but he wanted Adrian Griffin. He stamped his approval on this hiring after Budenholzer got fired. Um, so he was on, th- he was there, and I'm gonna come back to my whole contender uh, coach yeah, yeah. and all that uh, in a second. But so there was that. But then it was g- like uh, obviously Adrian Griffin's gonna take the job. But the problem is, um, as the season, as the games were going on, uh, from the beginning, I guess they realized that he wasn't the right guy because defensively they're one of the worst teams. Now that's obviously gonna happen when you replace Drew Holiday, probably the best perimeter defender as a guard in the NBA, to one of the worst. To <laughs> one of the worst. Yes, you'll get the scoring, but yeah. And he implemented the Raptor system, which did not work well. They had to tell him to switch it up, and that's what they had to do. And yeah, well. the Raptor system is very different. Yeah. Right. Like, especially if you're. He was a defensive guy in the. Yeah, Raptors compar- too. comparing um, the championship runs, right? Because Milwaukee's a championship contender, so we'll, we'll compare the championship run for the Raptors. Giannis and Kawhi are very good defenders, but Giannis and Kawhi are very different when it comes to offensively, yeah. offensive play styles. Uh, another thing, the Raptors just had good team defense, right? The Bucks do too, but the styles are just so different. They're just very different compared to each player. Yeah. Um. So that's the timeline for that. Offensively, uh, Damian Lillard is used to playing the whole first quarter, so he has to change his rhythm. He obviously told them, "Hey, I need to switch the rhythm. I need to play the whole thing." He listened to that for sure. Before even all that, Terry Stotts was the lead assistant. He's no longer there because they had a fallout. Literally, the first practice or whatever the yeah. case was in the training camp situation. So there was something already behind the scenes going wrong. Season starts. They're defensively one of the worst teams. They've been kind of struggling. Obviously, as of late, they've been killing it, right? It's just weird to see a coach fired because I'm going to bring up David Blatt in a second. But, like, as a Laker fan, you would think Darwin Ham would get fired because, A, they're literally struggling, and he, B, he's annoying to watch as a coach because hands in his pockets and, you know. Yeah, that's a different... Freaking Austin Reese is guarding Kawhi Leonard even though he yeah, did a yeah, yeah, job. Yeah. This guy, you could see, I feel like Milwaukee, I give him credit this, because now they have three coaches on the payroll now, because we'll get to the hire in a second. But I think that this is literally, you know how you described Buffalo as not a fail, the Bills, even though I did? I think Milwaukee as an organization is like, we're, they're not ready to, they're, even though they have this great record, Boston's on a next tier. Like Boston is on a tier on its own, the Celtics. Yeah. So they be- they believe that they're not ready. With, they're not. They believe they're not going to be able to. For them, it's championship or bust, right? It's not like let's give Adrian Griffin a chance. Do I believe he should have gotten a chance? Sure, for sure, hundred percent. 
But the thing is, if you feel like you lost the locker room early, which means it's going to affect in the playoffs and you're trying to win a championship and you ain't going to get rid of Giannis who you just signed a Supermax to, you just traded picks away and Drew Holiday for uh, Dame Lillard, you're going to get rid of the coach most likely. And that has what ended up happening. They felt like that he's not the guy to ultimately win it all. Right, and if they were to match up, I would give Boston the edge right now. As much as I said, Milwaukee would be the finals. Yeah. So the thing is this: Griffin's gone. The one good thing Milwaukee did is they identified an issue. Teams wait. Right. Yeah. They stopped the bleeding right away, and that is one good thing that Milwaukee has done. And you give got you get credit for that. Yeah. Right. Like they had, they identified an issue, they weren't happy, they believed there was a coaching issue, they stopped the bleeding. Point number two, Giannis approved head coach, <laughs> meaning that Giannis hired the head coach technically. Then he realized there was a mistake, so he probably told them not to get rid so of him. So this the thing is this. This is why you don't fully this is why players are not GMs. Yeah. Right? As a GM, you gotta do your job. You gotta lay down the hammer. Yes, he has Giannis, don't be wrong. You could ask You take his input. You take his you input, but he does not make the final decision. Yeah. Because there's, there's a reason why they said that they never told him about the <laughs> Drew Holiday was involved in the Dame trade <laughs> for that reason, which was smart. But here's my thing, though. Um, Adrian Griffin, first of all, I don't think he, this should be it for him. Because yeah. here's the thing. I said it earlier when we talk about the NFL coaches. I'm going to say it again. Teams that have alphas like LeBron, like Giannis, Kawhi, so on and so forth, they need to have coaches that have been there, done that, or have been well-established, right? So, for example, Frank Vogel has not won a championship. He struggled with the Orlando Magic, but he did well with the Indiana Pacers. But he made a lot of sense with the Lakers because of his defensive identity, and he's a veteran coach that could work, and he, yeah, that he, could go work with superstars or stars and in general. he helped develop Paul George. Yeah. He's, he's, made, he's made the playoffs, uh, conference finals many times. Yeah, so... Tyron, Tyron Lue for the Clippers. Okay, but I'm going to... There's another there's example There's a little caveat on that in a second, but... I yeah, get no, you, but like... They make Kawhi, sense. you're saying Alpha, they need a... Yeah, yeah, because yeah, I'm going to bring up the David Blatt situation yeah. first. Um, for, to, sorry, to finish the Milwaukee thing now before I, I lose my train of thought, David Blatt actually had a better record by two losses and less. So in less games, in 41 games, he had a 30-11 and 11 record. He got fired. T. Lou comes in and wins the championship. 3-1 comeback. We all know that story, right? So going back to the point, your point again, T. Lou makes sense for the Clippers, right? And look at the Lakers now struggling with Darvin Ham when you have two a superstar and a superstar caliber player, right? Milwaukee, you have a superstar, superstar caliber player. Adrian Griffin does not make sense. Um, there's an exception. Milwaukee has two superstars, not even caliber. Uh, for me, Dame's a caliber. That's we, that's a different su- argument. We're two not superstars, talk about yeah, it. I know. Because uh, yeah. Dame and AD are in the same tier for me. Anyways, um, I also consider AD a superstar. Okay, so the, okay, we'll have a superstar yeah, discussion yeah. later because <laughs> we have our different definitions. But my point is not on the, the not on this spot. That's yeah, not on this one. There's two exceptions. One is T. Lou, and then one is Nick Nurse. Right. Difference between those two is. T. Lou was still under the Cal, uh, the Cavs staff. Nick Nurse was still under the Raptors staff when he won the chip, right? So in this case, Adrian Griffin was not in either part of the situation for the Bucks. So that being said, like the young coaches work, Mark Dagnall, Jamal Mosley, uh, those guys. Uh, Jamal Mosley is from Orlando. If you're yeah, wondering, yeah, I know that. Okay, because <laughs> um, yeah. he looked at me like a stare. No, I know. Um, 
I'm not that bad. I know. But <laughs> like those young coaches work well with those type of players. Bring them up with them. Like Shea, develop them. Paolo, develop them. So on and so forth. Right? Obviously, Yodoka slash Mazula, they were part of the staff. Mazula especially. So that's the only exception with Boston is probably Yodoka. Makes sense. Yeah. But the point is, when you have a guy like LeBron, when you have a guy like Giannis, Kawhi, so on and so forth, you need to try to find a coach that has been there and done that or has been in the league for so long and is able to develop, able to learn himself, so not a Stan Van Gundy situation like it was in the Pelicans, yeah. and beat that case. A coach that has been there, done that, but it's been a long time since he's done that. Yeah. Is Doc Rivers. Yeah. Um, Doc Rivers has been hired to replace Adrian Griffin. And formerly uh, Sixers, Clippers, obviously won the chip with the Celtics. Was also with the Magic. Was also with the Magic as well. The Doc Rivers experiment. Doc Rivers, I believe, because uh, we, could, we could agree on this. Doc Rivers did deserve, does deserve a chance. To coach one more time in the NBA. Yeah, this is his last opportunity. But this is his last opportunity. So, Doc Rivers, um, yeah, he's been there, done that with the Celtics the one year, but has also multiple 3-1 blown leads, has, could not figure it out with Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, could not figure it out with Joel Embiid, James Harden. Um, obviously, with the Celtics, he ended up winning one, lost one in the finals. And then with the Clippers, he had um, also Chris Paul, that Lob City, Chris Paul, Blake Griffin team with DeAndre Jordan. I f- I'm fine with this because he's the only guy really available. Like, you're not going to go and... Like, can you have a Chris Finch situation when he left you guys for the Timberwolves? Maybe. I don't know who would that yeah, be, Yeah, Chris Finch, I don't if know If that was Kenny Atkinson or someone else... I don't sh- know what Chris Finch has done, but he's done an incredible job. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and, like, you're not going to find that. There's very rare to find right that. Right now, like, there are coaches that, that have been head coaches that are assistant coaches. David Fisdale. Um, who, I ju- who did I just say? Kenny Atkinson. Yeah. Uh, so on and so forth, right? I think one thing is Doc, he was obviously on the ESPN commentary team, but Doc has a lot to prove, a, a lot to prove because of what you just said, because it's been a while, and there's the narrative that he's not the playoff coach. Damian Lillard needs to prove a lot because he wants to win a championship. That ties it down. Giannis may not need to prove a lot more, but he still wants to win but a But the chip. point with Giannis is this. He, he needs to prove a lot in the sense of that. He, for his legacy. He called for this change, right? Yeah. He called out Milwaukee saying that, we feel like we're this, we're not. We feel like we're not contenders. Yeah, they made the moves for you, so you, there's some pressure on Giannis still. There's some. There, Giannis does have something to prove. Yeah, I don't know how long his contract is, Docs, but the thing is that it's gonna be tough, right? Like I can't judge this team until I see Doc put his system in because now you have to adjust to Damian Lillard who came in. Damian Lillard needed to adjust to a new system as it is. And now he has to learn to a whole new system because Doc is coming in, and that's the whole team. The, the best part about this is that you have a cushion, right? You're 30 and 13. You're not struggling to make a play. All-Star breaks in a couple of weeks. All-Star breaks and be coming up as well. So you're going to have some time. You have a cushion. You could take L's. I do believe Boston will be the one seed. And uh, for that reason, obviously, you don't want to f- fall to two, three just because you want to have you want to be a still a two seed. You want to have the advantage in the second round as yeah. well. But you do have a cushion here that you gave yourself. Whereas if you were like a Lakers record, right, a five hundred record, you can't have. You don't have that cushion. You gotta come yeah. in right away and win. Has any NBA coach been fired this year yet? No, no, no. I'm 
be a coach. Because they happens fire. usually later on too. But like, yeah, yeah. so this is crazy. Like this guy's the first coach to be fired. A thirty and thirteen is yeah. a coach. First coach, yeah. But yeah, um, so that's the thing with the coaching situation. Like I said, they brought in an experienced guy who's been there and done that, who has the experience managing personal superstar personalities and superstar caliber, all-star caliber personalities. The question is, can Doc figure out his ways? Because the issue with Budenholzer was he did not know how to make adjustments on the fly, right? Um, he not he kind of got lucky that KD's shoe was on the line. He, he did. did. They won it. He did. He, he did get lucky. Right? Um, now, that's just basketball. I'm not going to say it's a fluke or anything like that. It's shit for happens. Hey, man, you, every team needs luck in the yeah, exactly. for a championship run, right? For example, your team. Raptors had it. The Lakers had it. Yeah. The Bucks had it. The Warriors had it. The Nuggets had it last year too. A little bit. Yeah. So Nuggets obviously have been the most dominant one, but yeah. Yeah. So let's see. I'm intrigued to see, um, especially when the football season ends, to watch more NFL. NBA. Or NBA, sorry. And um, just to see how it works out because Doc has to figure out what could he do to adjust because we already know every media session in the playoff is going to be when they struggle, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Yes. So, spe- speaking of Doc's former team... We're going to stop for the Doc talk and we'll go on to... His former team. Let's talk about the Philadelphia 76ers, specifically Joel Embiid. 70 points. I think he had like, I don't know how many in the first half, I forgot. And um, I think he had 18 rebounds as well. 70-18 game. Joel Embiid is the franchise record holder for points, right? He did overtake Wilt. I think that was the record, right? Like, Wilt had the record. Oh, like for the franchise, yeah. Yeah, for not all of the... Uh, Joel, yeah, he did. Previous held by Wilt. Yeah, so Joel um, Embiid breaks that record. Yeah, Wilt got 100 with the Warriors. Embiid is on pace for one of the best scoring seasons in history. This dude, 70, this dude is already averaging 35 points a game. Yeah. And just added 70. Like, how much is up, up his average? Should have at least up it by a point or two. <laughs> it's at a 36.1 right now. He was at 35 last before that game. I His checked. only concern is for MVP status and everything, it's just the game's played. But outside of that, it's uh, 70 points, 18 rebounds, 5 assists, 24 for 41 shooting, which is 58%. Obviously, he has to hit his free throws. So 21 out of 23 free throws. One thing that makes this dominant is because like a guy like Shaq cannot hit free throws. He yeah. at least can. As much as it, it annoys us to watch him play because air flops or the flails do annoy me, but there's no recognition. It's not, for me, it's not. It's not like. It does not take away from his greatness. Yeah, what he has it doesn't. Doing. It does not. As much as I want to give Shea the MVP, he right now he's probably my front runner as well because I think Shea also deserves it okay. for putting them in first place. I know. Place. Yeah, that's true. They both obviously had incredible weeks recently. But when you see 70 you and when you see a guy who's already been up there. Yeah. It's clear to say the favorite is Joel Embiid. Bro, by the way, he went against Whip Victor Wembanyama in this. <laughs> Greg Popovich is like, oh, we're going to hammer him. And obviously, you saw what happened. You got hammered Wembenyama had a 33-7 and seven game himself. Yeah, so it wasn't like, even like Wemby had a bad game. They went at it. They, only, they ultimately won by 10, but they were up by a lot. He didn't play the fourth quarter. He could have hit 100. If this game was closer... What the hell, Nick Nurse? <laughs> if this game could have been... Uh, he could have hit at least 81. <laughs> right? By the way, this day was also the anniversary of the Kobe hitting 81 points on the Raptors game. Yeah. It was on the same day. So... On the same day where we had another center... No, before we talk about the... I still need to talk about the what? Sixers. 
Last thing though, but the thing with Embiid though, and uh, every oh, part my moment, I was about to have a sick transition. I know, but I <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck, dude? <laughs> <laughs> I need to talk about this because there's no point going back to Embiid. The thing with Embiid, ultimately, everyone is, talks about this. No, I'm not the only one. I think numbers on the board now, not through the wire. Numbers on the board now. When I listen to them, they saying the same thing. Yes, this is great. Don't get me wrong. He's hit 70. Obviously, Dame and Donovan hit it within the past. The question for him is going to be the playoffs. Obviously, this, this does not a, this does not mean shit. This now. is a question I bring up every year about Embiid. Yeah, Embiid, Joel Embiid, is the Josh Allen. Yeah. of the NBA. The minute the minute he wins yeah. the championship, all the talk will go out the window like it did for Giannis. Exactly for at least three years. Hundred percent, hundred percent will go out of the way. Chris, like as much as yeah, Embiid. It may not be our favorite player to watch. You still got to recognize what him. he's done. You got to respect him. And you could finally put him on the echelon of Jokic, officially. But even like the all-time great centers, he could climb up skill-wise, definitely. And then if he wins a two, he's definitely up there with the best of the best. Once he wins the championship, the key is, can he be healthy and can he do it in the championship? Sorry, can he do it in the playoffs? Which, hopefully, let's see. All right. Now you could transition. Well, it's kind of like taking the thunder away, but... On a day of the anniversary of the 81. Yeah. On a day where a center dropped 70, another center decided to put up 44 points at halftime. Ultimately ending up with 62 in Carl Anthony Towns. The crazy part of the, about this, Carl Anthony Towns was the only player in Minnesota to show up that day. Yeah, so he broke his own record, just to, just to say that right now. I think the last guy to hit 70 as a center may have been David Robinson before. Um Embiid, I'm not sure if anyone in between has. But anyways, with this game, they were playing Charlotte before the trade happened. By the way, remind me to check Terry Rozier's number <laughs> with uh, Houston, uh, Miami today. But um, they ended up losing by three. The fourth quarter ended up becoming 36-18 to 18 for Charlotte. Yeah, it was a terrible fourth quarter. Brandon Both Miller. Cat, Cat himself had a bad game in the, f- uh, in the fourth quarter. Brandon bad Miller. Bad quarter, not bad game. Don't be wrong. Brandon Miller is showing why he was a second overall pick. He has. He has been... He's been playing pretty well. The issue, the thing is this, it's just unfathomable, but like, you lost. You, yeah. you lost. Cash shot 60% from the field, 67% from three. And like, I can't even, yes, you had a bad fourth quarter. I'm not knocking you. It's not your fault at all. The well, problem with Cat was the team it, started finding, giving the Cat the ball, that, I and was they wa- stopped playing basketball. Yeah, I started watching the third quarter. Yeah. And the, four, and the beginning of the fourth quarter, I couldn't watch the end of the game. Exactly what was happening. You know, in NBA, you're like your player just going off, you're like X, X, you know, give me the ball type of thing. That's what kind of happened. I'm not saying Carl Anthony did that, but like they just kept on feeding him. Yeah. And, uh, and then he started going out, like probably confidence boosted and started going himself. Yeah, like you're really hyped up. Because you stop playing basketball, you stop playing your defense, because like, like this was a field goal attempts. 35 for Towns, makes sense, right? Nine for McDaniel, six for Gobert, nine for Walker, 11 only for Edwards. Yeah, Edwards had zero points. He had th- yeah, he, has, he went three for 11 and two for two from the line. Yeah, it it wasn't even like he was going to the line. Edward had zero points halfway through the third quarter. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like Carl Anthony Towns was the only player that showed up that day. As simple as that. Yeah, so this answers your question. I remember when earlier you were like, hey, is Cap being good this year? <laughs> and he's been 50-40-90. Oh yeah, he's been killing it recently. Yeah, Ever since I said that. Close to 50-40-90. Ever since I said that, he's been killing yeah, it. Yeah, but... Like, your second best player in this because of Nikhil Alexander-Walker shouldn't be the case. Anthony Edwards, they got 11 assists, but the problem is, when you talked all that shit the day before to sh- about Shea, I don't know if you saw it, 
No, I didn't see it. So what he said was after the OKC game when they lost against OKC because Minnesota's been struggling recently, especially fourth quarter offensively. He said like, oh, it's obviously it's hard to guard Shea when you have the refs on his side where he's getting the foul calls. But then Shea clapped back in some way. I forgot. I don't know if it was through his Instagram captions like he always does. So, hey, a new NBA rivalry potentially brewing would be insane between the two because, like I said, both of these guys have superstar potential written all over them. We just got to see it in the playoffs for me to confirm Shea for sure. Um, but, yeah, like if you're going to say that and then you come back and you, you give this type of performance, obviously the the cachet is not there, right? So we'll see. That's Terrible. It's Terrible. not great. Ter- but Terrible. Um, once again, NBA trade deadline is two weeks away. It's on February 8th. As men, you guys could check out our, the, our Laker reaction from the last pod uh, of the, the what the trade potentially could be. Now the Lakers might be backstepping a little bit, and because <laughs> D'Angelo Russell's been he's hooping. been he's been hooping. Almost beat the Clippers yesterday if it wasn't for LeBron not playing. <laughs> Simple as that. Oh yeah, LeBron didn't play. Yeah. Um, a quick other news here for the NBA. For the NBA, the one is involving your team is uh, Bruce Brown. You guys are looking for a, a pick and a player. I don't think that will happen. It's not going to happen. But, but it's uh, Lakers and the Knicks are the ones you for would, it. Lakers yeah. are in contact with the Raptors over possible Bruce Brown trade, which also includes Dennis Schroeder coming back home as well. You always got to start high. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. But at the end of the day, the he's he has an option, right? It's the, it's the same thing. He's kind of like a free agent, basically, because it's a team option. And uh, the leverage is not going to be there, but always ask Kai. Bruce Brown is going to be a good player for any playoff team. Yeah. Right? If we're saying Kyle Lowry should be, any every playoff team should want Kyle Lowry, every playoff team should want Bruce Brown. Exactly. And um, uh, for me, he is going to be a good piece for any team who wants him. And it's going to be, it's going to cost a little bit, but it, the price that we're asking right now is not going to cost that much. Because Chicago is also asking two first round picks for Caruso, which I don't think will happen. He might be deserving one because he's that great of a defender. As I mentioned with the Lakers, as much as I would like DeJounte Murray on this team because he's been hooping, the problem is I don't know if it should be the exp- that much should be given up because you're including D'Angelo Russell. I don't think his contract's bad even in the first place. Hey, hold but on. if it's D'Angelo Russell and a pick and Shafina for Bruce Brown, I'm going to hate that trade so much. I'm going to love that. I'm going to be happy. Well, you guys could flip D'Angelo Russell. Yeah, I'm going to be happy for that. that would, that's going to piss me off. For DeJounte Murray, I could see it. I know he's a slight upgrade, but... The way I don't like, I said we said it last time. Check out the video. We don't think I don't think it's a, pl- a player issue. It's more of an ide- finding a team identity if through you, Darwin. If you want to see a Laker fan just be frustrated, watch that video. Yeah, just just watch that. <laughs> just, like you just shared all your thoughts about what the Lakers have been doing this year so perfectly in that video. So for any Lakers fans here or any team that likes shitting on the Lakers and want to hear shit talk about them. Yeah, that, that's a video. I'm gonna hold it there for right now. But um, yeah, so that's the Bruce Brown side of things. I mentioned Caruso; he could be lab- um, available for two first. Don't think it will be, but we'll see what else happens closer to the deadline. We have a suspension. Yeah. So other than Draymond Green, speaking of former Laker, other than Draymond Green and John Morant, we have a suspension for this year. Yeah. Um, before we talk about that, though, uh, then I just popped up on my uh, app. Warriors first game since uh, their passing of their assistant coach Dayan Milojevic, um, at home at least from what I know. So that was uh, obviously, I think his nickname was Decky, but yeah. So that was the first home game back. They'll be wearing the uh, DM on patch, their jerseys, and then yeah. they'll be also be on their court for home uh, playoff games as well. Um, 
Okay, so uh, coming back to it, we got a suspension. Or random one. Randomly, <laughs> For yeah. that. It's, but, yeah. It's uh, Tristan Thompson has been suspended for 25 games for violating the league's anti-drug program. That's it. <laughs> Nothing That's much. It, yeah. I don't know how far it goes back to because if it's last year, it makes sense why he was kind of doing well on Jokic in the playoffs there. Yeah. But if it's this year, he barely has been playing. So I don't know what the hell you've been doing. But yeah, so that's the suspension. Last, no, that was the last thing. That was the last that thing. That was yeah. the last thing in the NBA. Let's go to the uh, MLB to close it out here. A uh, couple of news, and we got some Hall of Fame talk. But the news is a couple of signings have occurred. Uh, the first one, the Pirates have sa- agreed to sign Araldus Chapman for one year, ten point five million dollar deal. This just this just says one thing to me: unless the Pirates are good. Chapman will get traded at the deadline again. Yeah, exactly. Um, Chapman again. I don't understand, like, why he's going to a bad team, but at the same time, get I guess paid. money is a big yeah. factor there. But yeah, no, another trade deadline last Similar year. Similar to Kansas City. Yeah, last year he was in Kansas City. This year he is in uh, Pittsburgh, and yeah, we're not expecting big things from Pittsburgh. Then again, they did surprise us in the first month of the season as well. Still a lot of signings left to be signed, and we're almost in February. Yeah, and uh, yeah, so. Chapman going to Pittsburgh. Another one is Dodgers add to their pitching staff. James Paxton, decent for this Red Sox last year. Um, obviously, one thing with Paxton is that he's always injured. But when Paxton, when, Pax, last year. when Paxton is healthy, we know he's solid. Could, yeah. We know he's a solid pitcher. Yeah, he's a Canadian. I think he's from BC, if I'm not mistaken. But um, yeah, one year, eleven million dollars. So the deferred money comes in hand <laughs> for the yeah. Dodgers. Uh, the last one was Brewers. Brewers signed mm-hmm. Reese Hoskins to a two-year, thirty-four million dollar contract. Uh, he missed all of twenty twenty-three, coming from a torn ACL, so that's a pretty big, hefty contract. Yeah, from he's thirty. He is a solid DH type guy. Reese Hoskins on the Philly team helped them make the World Series two years ago. Obviously, the ACL. Reese Hoskins was a miss, I believe, for the Phillies. It was a big blow when he got injured. But I still do believe that he has, um, you. I wouldn't like. I would have been happy if the Jays signed Reese Hoskins. Yeah. And uh, the Brewers are getting himself a, a solid middle of the lineup bat, and uh, a good DH first baseman guy. Speaking of the Jays, another thing, another factor of Phillies moving on for Reese Hoskins is that Bryce Harper's injuries is making him play first base now. Yeah. Uh, speaking of injury, Quinn Hughes looks like he got hurt. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> not Quinn Hughes. <laughs> um, but um. Speaking of the Jays, as you mentioned, uh, Boba Shett was in uh, on Blair and Barker, I believe, and he named. He's like, obviously, this isn't. We're we're not up and coming anymore. We we should be grown. We're not getting grown, and uh, we need to show what we are actually made of. The thing is, he named JD Martinez, and I forgot the other name, as possible bats that could help the Jays. Similar to how Quinn Hughes said, bring back Chris Tanev as well. Yeah, but um, and so then the other thing, sorry, Jorge Soler is. Still, still out there, and the Jays are in in him, and uh, not in him, yeah, no, like, <laughs> like on it, on, not even on. No, him. No, no. They're in on him. They're in on him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Boba Shad's basically saying there's no more excuses this year. Yeah, and another another name that Jays are in on is Domingo Herman. Yeah, I have that up here. Um, six suitors for Domingo Herman. Jays being one of them. I think Orioles are the other. Orioles makes sense too. I do believe Orioles could use pitching. Domingo Herman. He was uh, in he the had a al- perfect game this year. Yeah, he was also remember part of an alcohol treatment program this year. Yeah, so, so that was 
the uh, reason why his season definitely ended. Definitely up and down year for Domingo Herman. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. That's obviously a culture thing there. He owns a 31-28 record with a 4.41 ERA, 1.18 whip, and six big league seasons so far. Uh, like you mentioned, he threw a perfect game or no hitter? Perfect game. Perfect game. It was yeah. against Oakland, but... Yeah. <laughs> I oh, I yeah, I remember. It was, it was live yeah, on the pod. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it was one of our early pods. But it was, it's, a, it's a perfect game. All right, to close it off, let's just talk about the MLB Hall of Fame. Officially been announced. Three entrants from the player side of things only. Two first ballot dudes. Uh, you Again, how the MLB Hall of Fame works is kind of annoying. You have 10 years to make it. You need to have 75% eligibility. You need to meet cer- certain thresholds. So, for example, if this is your first year, you need to at least hit 5%, I believe, if I'm not fully mistaken about that. But Yeah, this, so, th- this thing has a lot of, like, yeah. requirements. So, <laughs> the f- Todd Helton, is this in his sixth year of eligibility, is officially in at 79.7%. Fun fact about Todd Helton... He was the starting quarterback for Tennessee, or he's he was a quarterback ahead of Tennessee, the college, um, Tennessee Vols, ahead of Peyton Manning. <laughs> yeah, so... So that was pretty fun, that was crazy so to see. Ta- Todd Helton created Peyton Manning. <laughs> but the first ballot... Congratulations, Todd Helton. First ballot Hall of Famers, Joe Maurer at 76.1%, catcher best known for the Minnesota Twins, and Adrian Beltre, who we decided that was probably the one guy that will get in first ballot. Yeah. At 95%. Beltre. um, One of the funniest dudes. I've I've seen like clips of Adrian Beltre funny moments. And it's not like interview. It's like legit on field shenanigans. Beltre, 21 year career between the Dodgers, Mariners, Red Sox, and the Texas Rangers. Um, I remember him with the Mariners specifically. That's when I think I first started watching him. Uh, all four-time All-Star was one of the most well-rounded players in baseball. Won four Silver Sluggers, uh, five Gold Gloves, and a pair of Platinum Gloves as well. Member of the 3000 Hit Club, also hit 477 home runs, 1700 plus RBIs, 29 333 games. Sorry, 29 33 games. Yeah. Uh, Mauer, 15-year career with the Minnesota Twins, Canadian. 2009. No, he's not. Not Canadian, never mind. That's more known. <laughs> That's more known. Yeah. Uh, 2009 AL MVP was one of the best pure hitters in the league. Again, b- three batting titles, five silver sluggers, uh, six uh, made the All Star game on six occasions. Took home three Gold Gloves as a catcher. He finished with 306 battering average. That's crazy. Uh, 143 home runs, 1,118 runs scored, 923 ribbies. Um, and then yeah, Helton had spent his entire 17 year career with the Colorado Rockies. Um, players that have missed out. Billy Wagner is in his ninth year. He just missed it. He's a 73.8%. So he has one more chance. Wow. <laughs> one more chance. However, Gary Sheffield, out. Gary Sheffield's done. Done. Uh, at, he was at 10th year. He was only at 639 I think he has a... Th- they have a thing now in a couple of years where you have eligible to come back into it now. Why is this so complicated? <laughs> yeah, they, I think it says here. <laughs> like, what the hell is Cooper's uh, Gary Sheffield will be eligible for the Contemporary Era Committee for the first time in 2027. So I don't know what that means. Um, this is like the, the feel bad. The induction ceremony will be held in Cooperstown as always, July 19 to 22nd. The players will be joined by former manager Jim Leland. I believe that was the Detroit Tigers guy. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken. Boston Red Sox uh, radio broadcaster Joe Castiglione will also be honored as the Ford C. Frick Award. And if you're wondering where Jose Bautista is, he's no longer eligible. 
You, you didn't even get 5%? He got 1.6. Wow. Two guys have got 0% on their first ballot. Two, zero. No love whatsoever. That's James Shields. Remember how we were like, how the hell is he? <laughs> He's yeah. going to get something. Jose Reyes got zero. Jose Reyes got zero too. Jose Reyes got zero. Adrian Gonzalez, 0.8. Matt Holiday, only one. Bartolo Colon. Wow. 1.3. Reliving. Victor Martinez, 1.6. So those guys are all out. David Wright is still in it with 6.2. Mark Burley is in his fourth year. He kind of. I remember David Wright, man. I remember that Mets yeah. run he went on. That was G- crazy. Jimmy Rollins, Andy Pettit. These guys are there. A Rod hasn't finished his third year of eligibility. And Manny Ramirez is two more away. Chase Utley had a big jump for his first one is at 28%. So that's the Hall of Fame news. Unfortunately, we're no longer going to see Jose Bautista next year. What the heck? <laughs> Joe, that <laughs> sounds depressed. Bro. <laughs> if, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's 5%. So nah, give him the uh, freaking, who's the guy? Gary Sheffield missing it. Give Jose Bautista <laughs> the, the little fee. Yeah, at least he got votes. It's better than zero. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, um, that's pretty much it from us, though. Um, make sure you guys like, comment, and subscribe. Make sure you guys follow all their socials linked down below. We're dropping a guest podcast episode this weekend. Make sure you guys check that out uh, as well. Make sure you guys check out the Lakers reaction from a Laker fan to see how depressed I was in that episode. If you thought Joven was depressed right now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, other than that, we'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.